Mr. Smile in Major League Baseball. Take it from Lindor? Maybe. Ooh. Yeah, we can ask Don't him. Lindor, I'm actually going to put that in my questions. I feel like Lindor would be okay sharing it with a pitcher. One pitcher gets it, one position so player like gets it. Player smile and pitcher smile? Correct, exactly. Okay. And on the pitcher front, Zach Gallen, who's a Cy Young contender and who's probably one of the more underrated pitchers in the game because he just hasn't been on the show yet, so people need to kind of hear his personality and what he's all about. He's going to join us, and then Juan Toribio talking Dodgers because they're smoking hot. You can say Jose Uribe. <laughs> you were bringing up Jose Uribe. You know, there's probably about half the audience listening or watching that doesn't even know who Jose Uribe is. Think about it. Half our audience, half Giants. our audience is is under I think 35. So, do they know who that that they is? Who Juan Uribe was? I mean Juan Uribe. There was a Jose and a Juan. Was there? Yeah. Jose Uribe. Yeah, for the Giants. Kratzy. So a third of our, so a third of our. Uh, Show here doesn't know who Jose Arribe was. Correct. <laughs> That's a good point. Under 35. <laughs> Under 35. 35. Oh, Jose Arribe, Arribe, born in 1959. Yep, that's him. Yeah. Played for the Giants. Yeah. Wine Arribe didn't wear a cup. Wine Arribe did a lot of really cool things. <laughs> Do you care to elaborate? I mean, have you seen game four of the... 2005 World Series, the catch he made where he dove in the crowd. Nobody talks about it because it was the White Sox, not the Yankees. No, Tell I us about it. Was he pissed? Ninth inning. Yeah. Bottom of the ninth, row one nothing. Runner on second. Foul pop in whatever they call it now, Minute Maid. And he runs over, jumps into the crowd, full extension, catches it for the second out. Next play, slow roller to the shortstop. Boop, throws out the uh, Palmero, Orlando Palmero. I mean, made two incredible plays to end the World Series. No mention. Nothing. No. Did you guys talk about it? Like, oh, it's not Jeter, so it didn't happen? Yeah. pretty. I mean, that's pretty much what I just said. But I'm saying, at the time? Oh, yeah. You guys were like, like that was oh, one of the best really? plays you'll ever see that no one will ever talk about. Two of them. And 11-1, and one, I'm just saying, pat my own back here, 2005 World Series. Best record ever in the postseason. We were good. So talk about us more, please. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a TikTok. Just don't show. Just don't show your rings. He's got one on, but you can't bring that to the ballpark. You'll get kicked out. Ask True. Zach, Zach, Zach yeah. yeah, from Oviedo, Florida. Exactly. Uh, just wanted to let everyone know today. I've got the shirt. FoulTerritoryShop.com. If you want one, softest shirts on the planet. Also, before we dive into things, I don't know. I feel like I might have to make this a thing until the bleeding stops. Pittsburgh lost again. And I actually just think the NL Central is kind of crumbling right now. <laughs> I was looking at the standings and I'm like, who's going to be above 500? Hmm. I actually do think the Cardinals are going to pick it up, which I've been saying. And they've mostly been playing better baseball, though the Cubs took what it to them the last AL night. Central? Well, the AL Central is terrible. And we, we knew that. And it's more that it's bottom, I was going to say bottom heavy. Is that the right word? It's, yeah, I guess. It's anchored down because the bottom just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, like Detroit's in second place. They're 17 and 19. There's no chance they finish above 500. The White Sox are struggle city. You make that shave your head bet with Detroit too? What, that they'll make the playoffs? No, they finish or... over 500, you'll shave your head? No, I'm not. No. I'm only doing like. You just said oh. no chance on earth. It's got to be like plus yeah. 100,000, which probably is what Red Sox Pirates looks like for a World Series matchup at this point. And I'll, don't. Don't place it. I'll take the money. Just send it right to me. But, yeah, those those two divisions are whew, not great. 
You know what division's pretty good, but maybe not as good as we thought it was? The NL East. Charge the mound. Let's get after it and lead off with the Miami Marlins, who made a little history. 5-4 dub last night, and they don't lose one-run games. 12-0 in run-run games, passing the 72 Mets, most consecutive wins in a game decided by one run in history. Joey Wendell with the double late in the ninth, gave them a 5-4 lead. Got to talk about him while they're, well, they're a relevant. little bit relevant. Yeah, and the we'll Mets, get to Yuri Perez We're later. talking about him as being relevant because they've won 12 one-run games and they have, or they have 20 wins on the year. So they, uh, they either win by one run or they lose. It's a good formula. Don't take the run line. Sorry, <laughs> take the run line. True uh, that. So it's so it's they either win by one run or they lose. They're in second place. True, but twelve and zero in one run games. It's crazy because one run games are luck, and everyone says, "Oh, they'll even out." You look at um, somebody last year, and they won a ton of one run games. Oh, Seattle. Seattle won all these one run games the last two years, right? And now they're not doing as well in one run games because people are like, "It's luck." It's based on your bullpen. It's how the ball bounces. There's all these things. So they might be 12-0. and 0. We might look back now two months from now, and they might be 12-12. and 12. And you're like, wait, they were so good in one-run games. It's just You just never know. I think relief pitching has to do with it, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's also luck because let's say they're losing – let's say they're losing 8-4 to four going to the ninth, and they someone hits a three-run homer and they lose 8-7. to seven. Well, They're never really winning that game, so that's not a detriment on their bullpen. It's more of a hit on the other team. Sure. I'm, I'm just saying a lot of the time – could be 4-4 and you get to the late stage and one team scratches a run across that's often a scenario and if your bullpen's tight then you're going to win those scenarios more seattle's bullpen's been pretty good the last couple of years that's a big part of it sure and i mean their best weapon out of their bullpen uh, you could make a case him, him and seawald but they have a two-headed monster and munoz is out they have other good bullpen members but those two have been the force for them and they're missing half of that I mean, obviously, this is historic 12 and 0, you know, to start the season. That's unbelievable. But it is directly uh, affected by your bullpen because you, you guys know that, okay, so tonight, like, that's one of the reasons I went heavier on the Reds game. The Reds bullpen is good and they have some really good pieces that can win you a close game. So you go to the seventh inning, you go to the eighth inning, you go to the ninth inning with your, with your horses. Okay. Well, they just won two games in a row, a team with a terrible bullpen. They can't go to those horses again. They have to go to the other guys who maybe aren't as above average as the other guys. And so to me, it is a precursor of what your bullpen can do. And the Marlins have always had great pitching. They've got great starting pitching. Their bullpen's been here or there, but they've obviously been picking it up because you got to be able to keep yourself in games because it's all talking about how to keep the games close, even like when you have extended extended winning streaks or losing streaks, keeping those games close. But the thing that's glaring to me about Miami, they have a minus 54 run differential. And the only team in the National League that has a worse one than that, nobody. So they're not only losing, they're not only losing, but they're losing big and they're only barely winning. So it's a precursor of them slowly sliding way back down. And he fucked with me good there. Nobody. Like, Nobody's a hell of a team. You know, my mind races real quick. I'm like, 
Who do you think is the next closest? Next closest. Cincinnati. Yep. Minus 35. Minus 36, cheater. Nope, not cheating. Look, not cheating. Don't show everyone that. Oh, sorry, not cheating. Don't show everyone that. Oh, sorry, not cheating. (laughs) I just want to show I wasn't cheating. Private business conversations going on. Oh, there's all kinds of, yeah. Company Slack chat. There's all kinds of slap going on. Hey, let's let Kratz (laughs) talk for a minute. He's got a red hat on. I don't know. The other part of this, and we'll get into it more later in the show, because we'll show it and you can hear it too if you're on the podcast side of things. Yuri Perez is a fresh 20 years old, and he's getting called up for tomorrow. And he's, we have the video of him getting called up where Sandy Correct. tells him it's pretty awesome. They've changed calls, call, calling people up now. It's become a completely different animal than what it used to be. It used to be the manager would call you and he'd be sitting at the desk with his feet up and say, all right, Eric, congratulations. You're going to the big leagues. I don't know why the fuck we're calling you up, but uh, way to go. Uh, you know, you got to get on a flight and, uh, you know, the, the trainer will have your flight information. Uh, your flight leaves at uh, 7 a.m., but uh, be, be ready and uh, see you in a couple weeks, kid. And then that's, the, that's, a long, that's a long conversation. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it was like, it was like hey, we're going to go call you up. There's, a, there's been some stuff. I don't know. Uh, somebody, I, I think they're having a baby. So I don't, I don't know anything about your plane stuff. So just pack your stuff and go baseball. You, you, that's it. No more. Get out of my office. No hug. That was, no, a hug. Go handshake. Maybe you get across. <laughs> it'd be across the desk. Yeah. Handshake. Hey, go get yeah. The most awkward, the most awkward moment in a manager's office for me was I got called up to the big leagues after nine years in the minor leagues, and John Russell was in the office. Now I had obviously already gotten called up, cool moment, and I walk in and the team's already out on the field having a, you know, it was during the All Star break, so it was the last day of All Star break. They had a mandatory pirate workout, like they always love to have, and John Russell's in his office, and I shook his hand. There's zero people in the clubhouse. Zero people. And I go to shake his hand and he's like, oh, he goes, oh, uh, he goes, hey, congratulations. Um, I'll I'll get with you on playing time. He was the and manager was sitting right? there like the time. And I was like, all right, I'm gone. It was the most awkward conversation I ever had. He was manager at the time, right? Yeah. So I played for John Russell for like four years in the minor leagues. His personality was. Hey, Penn, meet John Russell. So we should bring him on the show. You guys chat. Ask Krabs. I had him for four years, and he actually did a lot for me in my career. I'll give him credit for that. But his personality was, yeah, yeah, not very. He wasn't a a people person. Can we get him on Legends territory? I bet you there's another side of John. No. No? Mm -mm. I used to babysit his kids. No, there's no other side to him. What? (laughs) There's no other side to him. What do you mean you babysit his kids? That's what I said. As a job? Yeah. He during spring training, he'd be like, Hey, I'm going out. And he'd get one of his players to go watch his kids in the hotel. And he'd pay you to watch his kids? Mm, he'd give you playing time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, but he needed somebody. He didn't just get hooked up with a babysitter? Like you guys. Not a minor league manager. Not a minor league manager. He did catch Nolan Ryan's six no hitter, though. He made us watch that tape a few times. <laughs> He did love talking about that. <laughs> His son's a really good player at IMG now. Stone. This wow. is taking a turn. 
Yeah, sorry. But no, I had John, dude, John Russell and I. So when I was in Elizabeth in Tennessee, John Russell just kind of got done playing. And he said, you're my project this summer in the Appalachian League. And I was like, okay, I was 18 years old. And I had already played Gulf Coast League, went to Midwest League, got mono, got sent to the Appalachian League. So he's like, you're my project. This, they put me on you. And I was like, okay. He's like, we're meeting every day at the field at 1.30. It's just you and I. And we threw baseballs every day, him and I. Threw baseballs. Threw, threw like he had a throw. Had a throw. Have a catch? Yeah, well, kind of. We would catch play. And he, he did a Nolan Ryan drill where he drew a line on the ball and he made me throw it and put a hat on the ground and we would have a contest to see who could hit the hat from like 150 feet away. And we did it every day. And then he would throw BP to me every day. Just him and I for like an hour and a half every day. Wow. And I had him in Nabal and I had him in double. <laughs> I'm like all the way up. And in exchange, you had to fulfill babysitting duties yeah, exactly. at times. So thanks, John. Thanks, JR. Right. Instead and you were of, first manager. Never yep. knew. Instead of paying for personal coaching right? no wonder your no wonder your personality is so electric me or john you oh well you hung out with him all the time kenley jansen has 400 saves seventh pitcher in history to reach that mark which is cool and and we celebrate stuff like that the other portion of this is ooh, i like that from the red sox that's a nice graphic that looks good the other portion of this is I feel like I've said this three or four times already. Like he's found another gear, resurrected himself. I don't want to say resurrected because it's not like there's been many times where you're like, oh, he's he's lost and he's bad. But like there's been times where he's getting closer to this like non-elite level and then he shoots back up. So he just did it again. I mean, we have the Sarah Langs tweet on his pitches. Here it is. Three fastest pitches tonight, which was last night for him. 98.7, 98.5, 98.4. Last time he threw a pitch that hard, August of 2016. It's been a bit. That's a long-ass time ago. And he's picked up his velo. We talked earlier this week with Pete Abraham about how he was pissed off about the pitch clock and people thinking that he wasn't going to be able to handle it. And he has completely squashed that. He's throwing harder. Some people are like, oh, our guy's going to throw with less velo because they're going to have less time in between pitches. And Kenley's like, no, screw all you because you're trying to make me the poster boy for the pitch clock and even the Red Sox were putting pitch clocks on him all spring training and look at him. He's as dominant as ever right now for Boston and a big reason why Boston is outperforming expectations. Two things on this one, it's a little hype because the Braves had him last year and didn't bring him back. So anytime you're pitching against Mm -hmm. your old team, you're a little bit hype. Two, he was going for a big number. Anytime you get a number with the zeros, two zeros on the back in baseball, it's a big deal. So 400 saves is a big deal. And my final thing is, I've kind of had this argument. Is he a Hall of Famer? Is Kenley Jansen a Hall of Famer? What's the number? Because you look at the people who have done it. John Franco, he's not in the Hall of Fame, right? There's some guys that have 400. And then you have Mariano, obviously, and Trevor, who are kind of the two all-time greats. But is he a Hall of Famer with his numbers? And granted, he's probably going to play for a couple more years, but What's the number you have to get to as a closer to be considered a sure thing Hall of Famer? That's tough. I mean, you can't just talking. look at one number. No, you're you're talking you're talking about a whole. He's got to play a lot longer. Let's put it this way: like I got. Who's not then? You don't think you don't think he can make it to 40, 42? Uh, seven more years. If he plays seven more years and he gets. Seven more years, well, he's, he's going to be all. Thirty-five now. If he can't make it, if he's saying to make play to forty-two, 
he saves 30 games a year, he puts him over 600 saves. That's he's definitely in. He said, "This I, I wrote one of these down from a while back. Want to pitch until at least age 40. Doesn't want to be home chilling at all in his 30s." He said, "Mo did it until age 43, so why not me?" And his family's on board with it. And his wife wants their kids to get older and see dad dominate. Well, he's a guy that made it to 40. It's hard. <laughs> right? It's hard. But it's your advice for Kevin. It's hard. Well, I don't know how old his kids are. I don't know the age of his kids. They're my, young. I mean, they're so probably, mine made my it, guess would be like let's three see, and six. Or... Mine were 10 and 9, 11 and 10, I think, when I retired. Mm-hmm. Something like that, 11 and 9, 11 and 10 around there. And they remember me still playing. And that was always awesome because a lot of guys, yeah, I had kids when I was a little bit later. And they don't, kids, guys are always like, man, I retired before my kids really remember me playing. So I was fortunate enough that my kids, and that is a big deal because your kids, your kids are like, oh, you played baseball. I don't remember going to a game. And you're like, well, no, oh, that's, that kind of sucks. And so I was fortunate enough to do that. But then when you get to, I mean, I, my last year, I was 39 the whole year, turned 40 in the offseason. I was like, man, my kids now are 11 and 10. Do I want to do this again? So I want to go back out there. They're doing so much stuff that you miss. And even the thing about it, and I think Eric will back me up on this, is while you're playing, even though you're present in the moment, you're present there, you're not present in the moment. Because you're thinking about, man, I got to go to the field. What time am I leaving? You're like, oh, gosh, it's, oh, I, I got to go get you Uber. I got to get to the field. Oh, who are we facing that? Am I playing? Oh, man, I'm playing. Oh, what time scouting meetings? What time? Oh, BP. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, what'd you say, honey? Um, oh, what? And, and you're in, oh, hey, what, you know, and they're trying to have fun and do stuff with you. And the whole time you're thinking, man, what time do I got to leave? And so even though you're there physically, there's a lot of times where you're just not present in the moment. And that wears on you after a while. At least it wore on me because I'm thinking, man, I missed 10, 11 years of my kid's life. Now you got to. You got half the year, though. In the In the winter, though, you can be more present, no? Four months, kind of. You you are, yes. But you're still thinking, all right, I got to work out. Yeah. Right? I got to do this. I got to do that. You try to get it all done, but there's still things you miss. And you and you didn't even say you're going on the road in seven days. Like Mother's Day is coming up. Like our wives, players' wives have such an incredible – like they need to be shouted out on the rooftops because like AJ didn't even say it. Like he's talking about just himself – like, oh, this is how I'm thinking. This is how, you know, I don't want to miss the kids, but then I also have all this stuff. They live their lives. Like, they live their lives the whole time. And the kids have a schedule. And guess who's taking care of that stuff? The wife. The wife is taking everybody there. And then who comes home? Big, ugly man comes home from the field. And we're, you know, not even mentioning if we bring a baggage from the field, if we bring baggage from not doing well. And now you're like, getting in the way of their routine, it's it's a burden. Like, we are a burden. In my opinion, we're burdens when we play because we are so selfish and, and driven to try to be the best that we can be. And I was a backup catcher. Like, AJ's playing every day. I felt fine. When I finished playing at 40, I could have played for another five years physically. But I didn't have as many miles on me as, as other guys did, as, as AJ did as Kenley kind of does. And that's kind of where I think he could play for another five to seven years because he's been a closer the majority of his career. 
There was a little stint where he wasn't necessarily the all-time closer, but he's usually used in safe situations. He's not going out there and having very many. Now, look, I found two 70-appearance seasons. You know, you're looking at top-end guys that aren't closers. They have, they have like four or five years in a row where they're putting 75-plus appearances under their belt, and that, that wears on them. Like, he knows when he's coming in the game. He's getting very few – He's getting very few dry humps. He's getting very few of all that stuff. He's just, hey, you got the ninth inning, and he's ready for that, and that can save his arm and save some bullets. True, and everything you just said is true, uh, especially about the wives. I mean, your wife does everything, and, yes, you are a burden because you come home, and during the season, you come home from a road trip, you get home late at night, or you get home late from a game, and the kids have to be up to go to preschool or school or, or whatever. You start missing those things, and – Without our wives, I mean, it'd be impossible, and and, and obviously mothers and, and helping and all that stuff. But the thing is, is even in the during the season, like my kids all were old enough to go to school, so they would go to school and they'd be having these things at school, and I I can't go. And then you see all these other parents and dads talking about, well, I went to the, the singing, whatever, blah blah blah, the choir choir thing or the play that every kid is in, and you're like, where? And they're like, where? And it shoots you, where are you? What city are you in tonight? And you're like, gosh, I'm in. Cincinnati for a three game series against the Reds. And you're like thinking to yourself, you're like, I don't need, I don't need to do this anymore. I've got money and I've got security for my family. And then plus Kratz, I take offense to that because I'll go catch a game tomorrow. If you need me to physically, no, mentally, I don't. You said you were done. I know. I'm like, Dude, <laughs> you, you said you were done. I didn't no, I say said, you were done. No, I said I was done here. If I oh. listen, if it was just going and playing a game and, and like, if it was like, Hey, I'm going to go play a game. No problem. No, honestly, I could probably play a game. Give me two days. I could go catch a game. Right, right now. Right now. <laughs> two days. Two days. As a major league yes. caliber catcher. Now, I'm not saying I'll get a hit, but I'll, I could catch a game. I'm, no, I buy that. I, I don't mean that, and I'm not – I'm serious. I haven't physically – I have not a problem. I think Biotti's going to be able to catch a game at 55. If, if the yeah. Cardinals are still struggling, they might call him in 15 years and be like, you sure? So, like, Snicker, when I was talking to Brian Snicker on sat- last Saturday when we did the Braves-Orioles game, and I was asking about Murphy. I said, talk to me about Murphy. I'm like, he's a bigger guy. How does he do catching? He goes, he looked – because I played for Snicker in 2016 when he first became the Braves manager. He said, you know what? He, he, he reminds me of you in one way. And I said, what's that? He goes, there's no effort when he catches. He's, he says, like, we had Brian McCann who was sweating to death after every game. He's like, you play a game, you come in, and it's like, yeah, whatever, let's go, let's go play another one. He's like, that's how Murphy was. And that's, I did, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge physical toll on me to play a game. It was just mentally, I was like, oh, I don't want to, oh, I don't want to talk to the media and I don't want to <laughs> fly and I don't want to travel and I don't have to deal with this and I don't want to miss my kids' stuff and I don't want to be away from home and I don't want to not see my wife and I don't want to do all these other things. Whereas the physical part, but the mental part starts getting in the way of this and then this. And you're just like, all right. And if I'm not fully committed to it, I don't want to do it. So that's why I was done. It wasn't because physically I couldn't do it. It was just phys- mentally I wasn't there enough. Physically, you were born to be a catcher. Sometimes you're just lucky genetically. Yes. Yeah. So thanks, Mom and Dad. I love you. We're, we're getting deep into Dodgers in a few minutes, so I do want to just grab a couple other headlines from yesterday. We, we spent a lot of Mets therapy time yesterday. Justin Verlander did what he was supposed to do be a stopper. He shoved. He said he was making some mechanical adjustments, trying to get timing right. It worked out. 
said a few minor tweaks during the game, especially in the third inning that all of a sudden felt right and just kind of went from there and kept that feel. That's why I'm a pump the brace guy with the Mets on the downside of things. I'm like, they're going to be fine. Now, fine doesn't mean they're going to win the division, but this is not a bad team. This is a good team and most likely a wild card team. JV, seven innings, two hits, an earned run, two walks, seven Ks. Yes, it's the Reds, but also it's in Cincinnati, one of the more difficult ballparks to pitch in. So he did what he was paid a lot of money to do. So did Alonzo. Back-to-back days now with a homer. He's got 13. And they win a game that, in my mind, is the Mets' identity. Verlander is Verlander. Alonzo homers. It's that kind of shit, to me, that is what the Mets are all about. And that's why, obviously, you need to get Scherzer right. But if you start getting the top end right, they're going to win enough games to be a playoff team, in my mind. That's why, yeah, that's why you pay, that's why you pay what you pay. Like, if you have a one, if you have one ace on your staff, you're always like, all right, if we lose today, we got our ace going Tuesday. And that's what they have in Scherzer and Verlander. They just need to, to me, they'll, they'll be that wild card. Agree with you, Scott, but they need to figure out how to not be the Yankees in the playoffs, how to be that team that can fight and claw through the playoffs because they're going to be there. We've, we've seen it year in and year out. True. The thing for me is Max has struggled. We went, we hit it all. Carrasco did not pitch. Quintana hasn't pitched. Senga's getting hit today in Cincinnati. Yep. They're down four, nothing. Who's going to be the other guy. Their bullpen hasn't been great. And they, and to be honest with you, they haven't swung the bats very well. So it's kind of a combination. Yes, I get you look at the back of their baseball card and say, man, these guys are all going to do this and this and this. But what happens if they don't do that? Everyone has bad years. Yeah, but you, you can even make have that bad case. years, Scott. No, I don't. You can make that case for for any ball club. Oh, if this guy doesn't play well, this guy doesn't play well, this guy gets hurt. No, I mean, Adovino's good. Robertson's been great. And offensively, Pete is doing what he's supposed to do. I think Lindor is going to pick it up again. It's been a slow start the last few years, most of the time, right? I mean, not last year, but prior years to that. So Nemo's good. There's enough there in my mind for them to be playoff, playoff relevant. Team. Yeah. But yeah. not a World Series winner, what they want. Probably. Yeah, but the whole thing is, what's the top of the rotation look like in late September? Is Scherzer back to Scherzer? Is JB being JV, which I, I think that's even more of a lock right now, just because Max is dealing with the injury. But if those two are there and they're a wild card team, you want to face them? Want to face the Mets in a, a little series and to you start off your get, postseason? And you just got to get three hot bullpen guys. Yeah, exactly. So, and then Diaz comes marching back to the trumpets. Just saying. <laughs> All right, let's do Dodger You're talk. Such a Mets homer. <laughs> me? Not me. Not me. If he comes back for I'm the playoffs, he might anything. be limping. He might be limping to the trumpets. I think Diaz on one leg might get the job done. Let's talk Dodgers because they are freaking soaring right now. Juan Toribio, friend of mine, joining us right now to give us the scoop on this ball club. Covers them every single day, and you can follow him at Juan C. Toribio. Clayton Kershaw is just rolling along. Good. Holy you shit. Know, you know what they right shouldn't now. have done to Clayton Kershaw? Put the crying emoji of him because it just pissed him off, and he went out and shoved him. <laughs> <laughs> the Padres, you know, don't, don't. Don't wake a sleeping dog, right? Well, Clayton Kershaw, people have been down on Clayton Kershaw. He came out this year on a mission, and his stuff is back. We mentioned Kenley Jansen being back. Clayton Kershaw, your stuff is back, man. You got that 
that nasty slider you found. He's got the big loopy curveball that he always drops in there anytime, and he throws that heater in to righties. That's always been his thing. The thing he's doing now, he's throwing the heater away, which they tried to get him to do for years. And he just goes, whoo, dots that heater arm side away to righties. And then they always are aware of that slider coming at their back foot. I mean, he has been a revelation for them because I don't think going into the year, they're like, he's a Dodger for life. What are we going to get out of 20 starts, maybe, hopefully 22 starts? Well, he's pitching now. He's not only is an all-star, he's he's in the Cy Young conversation right now. Is he about to mess around and make 30-plus starts? I hope so. I don't know that the Dodgers will let him. <laughs> I hope he does because I love watching him pitch. Juan, what do you think? Is he about to mess around and make 30-plus? Because, Juan, I'm looking at his start totals. Let's do quick trivia and see if he knows. Do you know the last time? Kershaw made 30-plus, and technically I could be that nerd and be like 29-plus, but the last time he made 30-plus starts was what year? Uh, so I got on the beat in 21. And he hasn't done it since I've been here. So Oh, definitely. not even close. Go yeah, way yeah. back, Juan. Let's say like 17? 2015, 33 starts. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a while, and you know, I think this is the first year in a while that he's kind of come in really healthy. Uh, even last year, he didn't pick up a baseball to January 1st. He had the forearm uh, thing after 21 season. So this is the first year that he's like, all right, I'm, I'm back. You know, I'm, I feel, I'm feeling good. Um, there's always the chance that the back kind of flares up on him. Uh, that seems to be the, the biggest thing with him uh, over the last four or five years. Um, but if that doesn't happen, I mean, I don't see why he can't make 31, 32 starts and, you know, mess around and win another Cy Young. Juan, did you see the crying thing in San Diego? Yeah. What what did you think as a Dodgers beat writer? I'm assuming – I could be wrong. I'm assuming you're a Dodgers fan. No. No, I mean, I'm from the East Coast, so no no Dodger affiliation. But, um, yeah, I I was pretty surprised. I mean, I think – you know, if they would have done it with like I don't know, not not to name names, but like Tony Gonson or Dustin May or one of the you know one of those guys, I would have been like, all right, whatever, I kind of understand it. Um, but Clayton Kershaw, he's just a big part of this game, right? Like, there's certain guys that it feels like you just don't necessarily do that to. Maybe that's just me. I mean, you guys are former players, maybe you guys have a better perspective on that. Uh, but he seems like the one guy on this Dodgers team. Uh, that you don't kind of do stuff like that, you know, mess around and, and, and joke around and stuff like that. But that's just that was just my perspective on it. Um, and I'll tell you what, it, it kind of pissed off the Dodgers. So uh, they wouldn't say it publicly, but you can kind of tell, you know, and it's been I think it was something they kind of needed in a weird way. I think they've kind of approached these games against the Padres as, you know, it's just another game. It's just another game. But the other side is not approaching it as just any other game. Um, and so I think it, it, at some point they needed to kind of wake up and, and just say, OK, they have all this talent now because there's no denying that anymore. Uh, they are, you know, they can still kind of be that little brother or whatever it was. But the talent is there. Uh, so they kind of had to start taking them seriously. Uh, and I think that little meme and I think the next day Mookie Betts kind of pointed out some sign uh, that talked about him, how he eats corn. <laughs> Another uh, double innuendo there. But. I think those two those two things kind of like pissed them off and said, "All right, if you guys want to start playing with us, uh, now we're gonna have to start playing back." Did you see you don't that? Think they, you don't think they felt that last year when they got bounced as a 108 win team out of the playoffs, or did it take this picture for them to feel that? Because they dominated them last year. I think they just said they beat them like five 
I think the Padres only beat them five times last year. Yeah, I think that's kind of the interesting part, right? It's like I don't think they actually did feel that last year. I think even when they went down two to one, uh, we you know we went inside that clubhouse and we said, hey, you're one win, you know, one loss away from this season ending, this magical 111, you know, one of the best teams of all time. Um, and to a man, everyone said, no, we'll just come back out here tomorrow and just treat it like any other game. Um, and I I remember kind of walking away like. You know, I kind of get that mentality. That's what's made them so good for so long. But at the same time, like, you're one game from elimination, right? And kind of getting embarrassed by a team just across the street that, like, you don't want to lose to. Uh, so I'm like, maybe they should kind of treat it as more than just any other game. Uh, so I don't even think last year, I think when it all ended, it kind of, like, smacked them in the face a little bit of, like, wait, did we just lose to that team that we just kind of dominated for seven months? Uh, and I think that was kind of the beginning of it. And then even this season, we, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to spark some of this, this little rivalry thing. Cause I, I do think it is good for the game. I think it's good for, you know, obviously Boston Yankees is kind of on the, on the downswing. Um, so having a, a rivalry like that on the West coast is pretty cool. Um, but they kind of started treating it the same way of like, no, it's just another, another series against a division opponent. Um, and I think those two, those two things kind of reminded them. It's like, Okay, at some point we're gonna have to wake up and just kind of treat this uh, a little as a little bit more because that other team is treating it with so much energy. Well, and you don't eat corn vertically. Kratz does, like you said about Mookie. <laughs> you don't eat the corn vertically. The long way. The long way. Instead of eating corn in the cob like this, you don't eat it like this. Well, when we saw it's funny because we saw it when it was happening, and I, I'll be honest, I had no idea what it meant. And then I get on Urban Dictionary, you know, I Google it, and then Urban Dictionary pops up, and I was like, oh. God, now I get it. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know how well you guys know Mookie Betts, but he's he's pretty quiet when it comes to, like, those type of things. He doesn't like to mention things uh, on the record, at least. Um, and the first thing he mentioned was the sign. So I think that was pretty telling. Uh, you know, he played it off. He was like, yeah, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was this and that. But I thought it was pretty telling that that was the first thing he brought up in his, in his post-game presser. Uh, it seemed like, you know, those things, it's, it's impossible that you don't see those things and say, okay, like this is kind of, this is getting kind of interesting. Uh, we, we're going to have to respond. I, I always oh. think it's funny players to, to media, to fans, even sometimes whatever, like act like they don't see anything just like Ross Stripling the other day, who was like, Oh, I love the players. They're like, Oh, I think I probably had like, you know, 26 homers and 97 RBIs that year. And it's, it's exactly what it is. They and see everything. Oh, trust. Yes, you, you see a lot more you know. than you let on. You just don't want to acknowledge that you see a lot. But that was that was what's so interesting about what Juan was just talking about, though. And Kratz asked him, I did the Dodgers-Padres series last year. Listen, he can say that the Dodgers, oh, didn't treat it. We're only one win away from elimination and we're just going to win. I was in the clubhouse, the game four in San Diego. They'll never admit this. But there was some serious stuff going on behind the scenes because Dave Roberts, we always get a meeting with the managers. He was late for his meeting, which he never was late. And there was a bunch of, I guess they were front office guy, people in his office. And, and then he, he all came out and then he was like, okay, guys, I'm ready for you. And it was just, it wasn't the normal cool, calm, collected Dave Roberts. It was very, uh, you know, he, he was a little hectic, which is, if you've ever been around Dave Roberts, he is like the coolest cat in every room he goes in. And it was just, whoa, they, the Padres were acting like they won the World Series. And the Dodgers were like, oh, this is just another series. It was not another series. 
Yeah, I, and I think that was the, the biggest thing. I think the Padres, like you said, that was a World Series. So I worked the NLCS right after that between the, the Padres and Phillies. And it wasn't even close to the same atmosphere, to like the same way that they played, the same energy. And it was, it was a, a round into the playoffs. Like they were one round away from the World Series. But that NLDS for that Padres team, that Padres organization, it, that was like a big, that was a big moment for them. You know, I remember in 2015, I think it was the Cardinals, the, the Cubs beat the Cardinals in the playoffs and got swept by the Mets. And I, I think if you ask any Cub fan, it's like, yeah, we, we beat the Cardinals. So it's okay. I think that's kind of the same feeling I got with the Padres. Uh, and now they're trying to take that next step right now. It's like, okay, we beat the Dodgers. Now we could take that next step. Uh, but the Dodgers are, are slowly reminding them. It's like, nah, we're still here. So it's going to take a lot more than just signing Xander Bogart and making some of these these splashy moves. Okay, ready for this? Because it's probably the number one topic on this show on YouTube clips when we get to it. So I want to get your perspective because some of us think that the Dodgers are the favorite. Shohei Otani, not during the season. The Angels aren't trading him to the Dodgers. But in the offseason, the percentage chance that this happens. And I will say... Uh, one of our commenters in the YouTube chat right now goes, uh, the knob, he goes, I remember when they were, quote, saving everything for Bryce Harper and then offered him three years. So give us the percentage chance because it's going to take more three years, more than three years to sign Shohei. Yeah, I mean, I think the Shohei thing is a little bit different, right? I think Shohei, as much as he makes sense on the baseball side, right, you add another ace to Julio Rios and well, Julio Rios might be gone if they get Shohei Otani. Obviously, he's a free agent as well. Uh, so you, you you get your immediate replacement for Julio Rios, right? You pair him up with Clayton Kershaw that we just talked about. He's he's still really good. Um, you pair him up on the pitching side, and then obviously you pair him up with Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and Will Smith on the offensive side. Um, but as much as as much sense as it makes on the field, it probably makes even more sense off the field. Um, obviously, a big Asian pop population here in Los Angeles. Uh, he doesn't really have to move if he doesn't want to. Obviously, he's over there in Anaheim, just 45 minutes away. Um, and just the own ownership is going to love having a guy like Shohei Otani wearing a Dodgers uniform. That's just the reality of it. There's gonna have, they're going to have a ton of conversations with the owners, uh, with Mark Walter and his group. Uh, you know, Mark Walter, Todd Bowley, Todd Bowley owns Chelsea. You know, they're, they're very involved with some of these things. Uh, and having Shohei Otani would be another feather in their cap. So as much sense as it makes on, on, on the field, it makes a lot of sense off the field. So whatever it is that they have to do in order to try and get Shohei Otani, uh, they're going to do it this offseason. So Shohei Otani wants 10 years. Uh, as much as Andrew Freeman doesn't like doing those 10-year deals, I mean, I think only Mookie Betts has that sort of deal with the team. Uh, if that's what he wants, that's going to be on the table. If Shohei Otani wants to do two years, that's also going to be on the table. So I think it's going to be tailored to whatever Shohei and, and his, you know, his family, his agents want. Um, but I think it'd be foolish for anyone to say that the Dodgers aren't going to be heavily involved for Shohei Otani. And, and, you know, they have to be looked at as one of the favorites. He wants, he probably wants to stay in the West coast. I don't know that personally. I don't know Shohei Otani, um, but he had his choice once he chose the angels. Uh, you know, the giants are going to be involved. The Padres are going to be involved, involved. And if he wants to go east, there's a couple of teams in New York with a pretty big uh, checkbook, especially if the Mets kind of like don't outperform what they what everyone thought. You know, Cohen's going to be like, all right, now I need to do something even more drastic. Throw out a 700. No, no, he's there's nothing off the table with that guy. So I wouldn't be surprised. 
Um, but I think the Dodgers should be in that mix for as one of the favorites to land uh, Shohei Otani. They asked you for a percentage. What's the percentage? <laughs> I was, that, was, that, was my, that was my long way of like dancing around it a little no, bit. No, no, that's <laughs> I would, not. I would probably say, let's see. I would give it a, I would give it a forty-five, fifty percent chance. I think it's going to be a coin flip. I mean, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be one of those things where the Dodgers are going to do whatever they have to do to try and get him. Now, does that mean that they actually get him? I don't know. There's a lot of things that are going to come into play with that. Um, there's going to be a lot of money thrown around. There's going to be a lot, it's just a lot of everything for Shohei Otani. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of teams are going to, you know, maybe even a surprise team that we don't talk about. Um, and I just, it depends on what he wants. You know, if he comes here as, as great of a star as he is, he's going to kind of have to share a little bit with, you know, the likes of Mookie Betts, who's going to be here for the next nine years. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is still the face of this franchise, whether he makes 17 million or 30 million. Uh, so he's going to have to somewhat share that. Um, so if he's okay with doing that, um, it makes perfect sense for him. You know, they're going to, they're going to accommodate whatever it is that he wants pitching every six days. Uh, that's what the Dodgers like to do. So it, it makes a lot of sense. So I'll go with 50% just cause, um, they kind of, I mean, they should be in the mix. They're going to be one of the three top four teams. So, uh, I'll, I'll put, I'll put those odds at like plus 125, I guess. Okay, I like those odds. Like do you hear? Do you hear players in the clubhouse talking about that? Like, have you ever heard anybody even mention like, "Hey, maybe we'll get Shohei next year too"? I think I've, I've definitely heard it, but it's not like a "Hey, do you think we're gonna get Shohei Otani?" I mean, you know how players are—they're pretty focused on this particular season, this particular team. Um, but I think everybody is aware of what's kind of going on right like especially like the Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman's who are going to be here for a while um they they actually they will never admit this but you know they know what's going on he's uh, this is like a guy who you know I'm a big basketball fan I remember when LeBron James was about to be a free agent um everybody knew that LeBron James was going to be a free agent and the teams that were going to be in that mix everybody knew who those teams were um so I think that's kind of what Shohei Otani is going to do um, I just hope he doesn't do an ESPN special like yeah. this, like LeBron James. Yeah, let's announce. not have a decision, okay? Let's not Why? have a decision. I think it'd be that awesome. is just so dumb. <laughs> dumb. Just pick your team, dude. Nobody. No, he's going to come on foul territory. And if you get him to do that, then I'm all for it. That'd be good. Yeah, that would be play. awesome. I, I know a little Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Word on the little. street. He's going to announce it here. I don't know. Just saying. Hey, on the topic of the Dodgers making moves and spending money. So one of our regulars here in the chat, Toasty, said, has there been conversation about signing Will Smith long-term? And I love the backup here. He goes, just this year, 15-5 and five with Smith in the lineup, leading the team with 177 weighted runs created plus. So his best hitter right now on the team. Strikeout rate only 6%. Another team, best by a lot. Fantastic player. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there hasn't been a lot of conversation over the last couple of years. You know, they tried a little bit when he was younger in his career. Uh, like they do with every young player, try and give him one of those six years, you know, $50 million deals or whatever, kind of that that range. Um, and now, you know, I think Will Smith is outplaying what they probably want, want to give him at this point in time. I mean, I think Will Smith is one of those players that I think I always tell people, like, you know he's good, right? Like, everyone knows Will Smith is a really good player. And then you watch him play for, like, five games, and you're like, He's not just a good player. Like, this guy's a superstar. I mean, he's, like, incredible. He kind of makes the team click all together. He doesn't strike out. He draws walks. He hits for power. He hits for average. 
Um, so he's like the perfect guy to have behind Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Um, and like you said, 15 and five, he went down with a concussion and the team just forgot how to hit like completely from one through nine. The team just forgot how to function offensively. And then Will Smith comes back and they're, they're back. They're, they're the Dodgers again. So I think he's one of those guys where if, if the Dodgers can lock him up here in the next two years, uh, he's going to make a lot of coin in free agency. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to, especially if the Dodgers, you know, get Shohei Otani, he might just outplay his time in Los Angeles over the next couple of years. Uh, but like I said, you know, catches don't get enough love, right? AJ and EK, like this guy yeah. is unbelievable. True. He, he Plus he's hidden behind Mookie and Freddie and Kershaw and Arias and everybody else that the Dodgers have. The one, the one guy I want to ask you about is Altman. He's, he's a little older for a rookie, 25. I saw a stat which still blows my mind. He's older than Jordan Alvarez in Houston. Jordan Alvarez seems like he's been around for 20 years already. Yeah. But how good is this kid, I, and, and is he the favorite for the rookie of the year this year? Yeah, I think he should definitely be up there. I think it's going to be between him, uh, Corbin Carroll, obviously, um, and then Miguel Vargas. I think some people who's also on this team, which is pretty remarkable, but he has an 800 OPS despite, like, having a broken finger for for the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, but I think as far as James goes, yeah, he's really talented. And I think he's one of those guys that nobody really saw this coming from. Uh, Gavin Lux went down with an injury this year, and that opened up a roster spot for somebody. You know, obviously different positions, but they needed a left-handed bat to kind of fill in that hole for Gavin uh, going down. So they were like, all right, let's give, let's give James an opportunity, right? Let's give him a runway to see what he could do. And then the kid just answered with seven home runs in the first month of the season. Uh, so I think there's going to be some ups and downs. We're seeing one right now. Uh, he strikes out a lot. That's just going to be part of his game. Uh, he's got a, he's got an interesting swing. Uh, and now opposing pitchers are starting to attack him the way that people in the minor leagues did, right, which is just spin him. At the beginning of the season, it was just fastballs. And then, you know, say a slider cutter down and in. And that wasn't working. So now they're starting to bury the fastball, bury the, the curve a little bit, high fastballs. And that has given him some fits a little bit. But now he's trying to make that adjustment that every rookie kind of makes. Um, is he a, you know, 1,000 OPS guy? No, that's probably not realistic for him. But he can somewhat be in that 850, 800, 900 OPS, which is still a really good player, obviously. Um, and he plays some pretty good center field. He can sh- shift over to left, left field whenever he needs to. Uh, so he's been a pleasant surprise for this team. So I think between him, Corbin Carroll, and Miguel Vargas, like I said, who's another rookie with the Dodgers, I think it's going to be a pretty good race on the stretch. Juan, you got okay, – we'll get one last one in here. You said you're a basketball guy, okay? And your Twitter account, for everybody who's listening, is Juan C. Toribio, okay? Yeah. And the picture you have on there where, where it's you, Ray Allen, <laughs> Reggie Miller, and Steph Curry – it's just an epic picture. I'm not going to leave. People got to go and look at it. It's an epic picture. Who passes you the ball first out of those three? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, let's see. Of those three, I'll say Steph Curry. I think he's like the only one that really passes. I think Reggie Miller and Ray Adam are more just <laughs> – I think they chuck the ball a lot. Um, yeah, but that, that, was, that was a good one. Uh, someone actually sent that to me. So I, I always joke around that nobody can guard me. Uh, but I'm like, I'm like five, seven and a half. Uh, <laughs> my basketball days ended in high school. Uh, but I just kind of have this running bit of, uh, you know, I'm an elite Hooper. So someone actually sent me that picture after Steph Curry broke the three point, uh, record. 
And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely using this one for my Twitter photo. So uh, if anyone wants to try and guard me, it, the invite's open. Oh, shit. Oh, be careful. Because I ain't a very good guarder, but I'm a really this good hacker and fowler. This guy's ready to roll up the sleeves a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I led the, uh, no the Skyling conference or whatever in, in fouls and foul outs when yeah. I played in high school. I can tell. And charges. Yeah, charges for sure. Until they freaking worked me. But hey, awesome stuff, man. Great having you on. And by the way, for our uh, audience too, because we want to make sure we get some Dodger love in there. Evan Fel- uh, Phillips is joining us tomorrow on the show. But Juan, great to have you on, man. You can check out all his work also on MLB.com. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the road, dude. Appreciate the uh, support of the show. For sure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Juan Toribio. And yeah, I mean, with Kershaw, the other thing, I, I, I don't know if we mentioned this, I just wanted to say the day before that was the Cindergard blister. So he's done after an inning. So they worked the whole damn bullpen through and won that game. And then Kershaw saves the day with seven innings. So that was good shit. Just it's saying. A, it's been a long career of Clayton Kershaw saving the Dodgers numerous times. Mm-hmm. But the bad rap that he got for many years of can't pitch in the playoffs and this and that and can't push pitch in pressure games. He's done a lot of good things, not only in the postseason, but just in his career in general. They also would leave him in for a while. Yeah, I was I mean, on one of those 2014 when we were when I was at the Cardinals. We beat him twice in the ALDS or NLDS and took him out. And they were like, oh, he's tipping his pitches. No, he just was making mistakes and dudes weren't missing him. And he was making mistakes. Was it was it one of those games where it was later, right? Well, no, he, we they had a game one in Dodger Stadium. They had a big lead and we came back. That's what I'm saying. Later in the game yeah, is when and he And then would... game four, Matt Adams had a big home run off of him in like in the seventh inning, I think. On a curveball. First yeah. curveball he'd given up a home run on in like I don't know how many curveballs. It was he was ridiculous. tipping. He was tipping. He was tipping. Yeah, he tipped it. He hung the curveball. Yeah. He... Matt Adams' swing path was right into his curveball. Mm-hmm. Big city. Like... That's good. You can tell the world, though, he wasn't tipping. He was not. If he was tipping, they didn't tell me. He just made some mistakes late in the game, and he had been really good before that. Yeah. That's what he said starts with Kevin Gossman, who I'm sure for you guys is definitely not an ace, right? Well, it doesn't matter what we think. We we know what we're we know what's right. I'm saying you guys are the grand decision makers on ace. Is he not an yet. ace? Not yet. Okay. High praise for the Phillies. What he said yesterday. I think they're the best lineup in the National League from top to bottom. And that's saying something just because for the short-term thinkers, they're going, oh, the Phillies, they're 18 and 19. All right. Bryce just came back. They signed Trey. Schwarber doesn't heat up usually until June. And we can go on and on. You're laughing, but you know it's true, Kratzy. Like, people that are worried about Schwarber right now are just dumb and are not watching the game for the past few years. Sorry. He just kind of floats around, stays level, and then takes off when it gets warm. It happens for a majority of the years of the prime of his career. So anyway, are they the best offense? The Braves would the Braves would have something to say about that. But I think that comes from that's honesty from Gosman because he just faced that lineup and he knows what kind of effort he had to put into that lineup. But it was kind of like a it was kind of like a pat himself on the back too. He's like, that's the best lineup. And how many runs did they score? One. I did really good. <laughs> I like, did really well. Look at me. I pitched against the best lineup in the National League. Right. But I, but to me, he's 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 showing his emotion in that interview in the sense of like, this is what I felt. I feel like they are the best lineup. And I I feel like they are too. I think not not the best in the league. I think they're definitely a top three. I mean, I would sit there and say the Braves are 
The Braves are deep and suffocating. Padres there, you know, maybe Padres? them, Padres, Dodgers, Padres are, are all in there in the four. Who's number one? Braves. Braves for you? I, I have I have to say the Braves. They Braves? Are, they are tough. They just strike out a little too much. Who who strikes out less as a lineup? And don't even look at stats, just Braves. player wise. Braves. Braves more contact lineup than Phillies? No, Phillies. Really? I'll look Schwarber, it up. Harper, Harper, Castellanos. I'll look it up currently. I mean, JT puts the ball. JT and, and Murphy this year. Are, actually, Murphy's having a better year so far. The Braves have struck out 326 times. The Phillies have struck out 321 times. Oh, so, so it's equal. same, same. It's a wash. Those two are close. I'll yeah. take the Braves. Take the Braves. The Braves for me have more, more speed, power, combos. I know they have Trey Turner, but... For me, you have Acuna, you have Albies, Kristen when he's playing, or Shoemaker, Arcia. Olsen can do damage, takes his walks. Murphy's on fire. Austin Riley, we've seen what he can do. Rosario, and then Michael Harris hasn't even got going yet this year. Yeah. He's another power speed guy. I agree. I'll, I'll go I mean, Braves. You have Michael Harris hitting eighth. Yeah, I'll go Braves. I'm with you guys. Slight edge, but I think it's really close. No, it's close, but really I think it's close. Yeah, it's close. The, the, Acuna last year versus this year, completely different ball player. He's back. And, and the Murphy edition, he's the best catcher. He's, he's an M, He might be the MVP right now. So I'm with you, but it, it's close. I saw and some Braves. Said, I saw Braves some, Braves, true. some Braves hitters last year, and it could be a heat kind of thing. Could just be just what happened. They kind of got a little tired towards the end of the year, and they weren't driving the ball out of the ballpark. So that's what's interesting to me is like, you got a guy like Schwarber, who's the reason he always hangs around and has a great year is because he's always getting on base and he has downtimes average wise and all this stuff, but he has a shot. Like, like the lineup is just, it's suffocating and they're, they're both equally as suffocating. So you start getting down to like Orlando Arcia or Bryson Stott or Brandon Marsh is a big reason the Phillies lineup is so much better this year. Castellanos is hitting like the Castellanos that they brought him in for, not like he did last year. There's, I mean, they have real Muto, but what Murphy's doing behind the dish, like I started watching his game the other day where he hit two dingers and I'm like, this guy could be possibly like an MVP type of candidate behind the dish. He probably won't get enough playing time to get the numbers to be MVP, but he DH'd yesterday. They, that lineup is scary canary, and they're known for their pitching. I I love that we have statisticians in the chat too. Toasty <laughs> said Braves one sixteen weighted runs created plus Phillies one hundred two. That's good, and to me that's still it's there's definitely an edge there. But Bryce is back. Who is Toasty? It's <laughs> Toasty, man. I love you, Toasty, because you man, you make one Scott's the, life. Well, no, he's one of the smarter baseball fans no, out there. But I mean, he's always commenting with stats. So I want to know. I want to meet this Toasty fella. Or you want to meet person. Him? Yeah, we can hit a game, Toasty. Give us info. And we'll 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 do a meetup at a game. AJ and me are going to hit some games soon. He just doesn't know it, but we're hitting some games. I'm hitting a game on Saturday. I mean, I hit a lot I know, of games. I'm saying, like, as a fan, we're going to hit a game, or kind of as a fan, mm-hmm. we're going to hit a Rays game. No, I, I mean, thought you said we can go to a Rays. Game. We can. Yeah. And hand out and hand out seven pamphlets for people to watch foul territory. Yes. <laughs> at a Rays game. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're gonna go when the Red Sox or Yankees are in town, so there's a big crowd. Yeah. 
Also, though, if you're if you're going, like you're you're a diehard, because that means you are weathering the conditions of being in the world's weirdest basement to watch a baseball True. game. True. Just saying. All right, one more. Um, so they're the Orlando Rays. Actually, two more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, dreamers, dreamers, dreamers. Oof, we we. That's a bad name. It's a bad name. Thank you. <laughs> but listen, they're having a dream, so they're dreaming. I know, but come on, we can do so much better than that. They'll do That's, better. They'll do better. Trust yeah. me. When they get the team, it'll change. When they ruin a team, it'll change. I I mean this as as a resident. Orlando's cooler than that. Dude, it's just an idea. Orlando actually has some swag, sneaky swag. We're just spitballing here. Pat Williams just spitballing. Did you say Can cheeky I, swag? No, sneaky swag. Like oh, I'm sneaky. saying, like, like, like Orlando is not dorky enough to say, we're the Orlando Dreamers. Join us today. Like, no, we're better than that. We have raves. Scott's been to some raves. Here. Orlando Ravers actually is a pretty cool name. <laughs> this is this is the potentially the rave capital of the East Coast. Wow. I'd say it's between I'll, here and New York. And trust me, game, I would know. I'll take your word on that one. I don't usually <laughs> hit a lot of games. Their, their games will start at 1 a.m. Oh, that'd be a home field advantage for sure. I and just constant, just. Give me one 1 a.m. game in my life. By the time, in a few years, Foul Territory might be able to sponsor something like that. The league would never go for it. Michael Brantley. It, Chandler Rome, who now works for The Athletic, great writer, um, said it's unclear where the Astros actually sent Brantley. Dusty Baker said he didn't know, and the team refuses to make its trainer available. Baker said he hoped Brantley could rejoin the team in Chicago this weekend. Do we have – there's other exchanges too, and I might be able to just bring it up on, on tweets because I think it, I have it too. This whole, but that whole thing just – what do you mean he doesn't know where they sent him? What, they like send him to Russia? Here, let me where the heck you... did they send them? They, they sent them to either to Palm Beach, where their spring training is. They sent him home, or they sent him on rehab, or Dusty, they sent him to the moon. Dusty wasn't listening. Dusty wasn't listening <laughs> when you know how they have like the GM, the owner, the trainer, and everybody in there. And that to me, that's probably what happened. Dusty's sitting there going like, "Did you guys talk about this?" And now they asked him in the scrum, and he's like. I'm not really sure. We got a game. I was napping. I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't listening. Because those meetings, I'm sure those meetings can be boring and long, and you have them every day. So uh, I have so much to say here. First off on Dusty, 20, I believe it was 18 or 17 Nats. I was, I was just assigned to them for the postseason until they got booted out. Whatever year, maybe it was NLCS. They didn't win. It wasn't the year they won. Anyway, remember the year that Strasburg like kind of was weird and didn't pitch, and then he popped back up? They were playing Chicago, I think. 17, 16, 17. 17. Well, because it had to be Dusty, though. It wasn't. 2016. 16's year the Cubs won. No, the Cubs won. Whatever. Irrelevant. Just the point was Dusty was not always sure about like when Strasburg had thrown his bullpen and all that. We were relying on others, if if that's cool. So – like we'd be like we were trying to figure out because Strasburg was getting pushed back there was shit going on and and we were like did he throw a bullpen today and he was like yep and then we'd go to the pitching coach did he throw a bullpen nope threw one yesterday like it was some of those going on and I was like all right going to you next time because I just said on MLB that he threw a bullpen today and I'm wrong and I went who I thought was the source so and he was like yeah my bad it was yesterday like, I'm, I'm busy with other shit. And I'm like, no, that's fine. It's fair. So that not everyone knows everything. There's a lot going on. 
2016, we were playing the Nats, and I was with the Pirates. It was one nothing. We give up a pinch hit home run in the ninth inning with two outs. We go to the 18th inning. We're all the way in the 18th inning of a 1-1 game. And Oliver Perez is on the mound for the Nats. And Starling Marte is coming up to bat. And, like, our pitcher spot is the next one is the next one up or maybe two up. Maybe I'm coming up after that. So it's, like, bad hitters coming up in the lineup. I look over and I'm thinking, you know, the game is just dragging on forever. 18-inning day game in the heat. And I look over, and I'm catching the whole thing, so I'm still kind of locked in. I look over, and there's Dusty. He's just kind of looking down as Starling Marte is coming to the plate. And as Oliver Perez comes set to throw the pitch, he looks up, and he's like, no! Starling Marte clips him. We win 2-1 after 18 innings. It was like Dusty had checked out for I don't know how long, and he wanted to walk Starling Marte because it was clearly the play. And Marte hits a dinger, and we end up winning the game 2-1. Why are you looking at me? Um, okay. I don't know. I mean, I was listening to the story. It's a good story. You were typing away on your little uh, laptop. I, we could do a whole show on the amount of things I do during the show. But, no, that's <laughs> – We don't want to show anybody what's on your laptop. Yeah. It's not that exciting. Um, wait, let me add layers to this because also people in the chat are like, Astros are weird always about – like injuries and stuff. So two days ago. Was it Toasty again? No. Chandler Rome, who covers the team, tweeted, Michael Brantley has stopped hitting, Dusty Baker said. Baker said it's unclear when he will return. It is not a setback. And then they had a he posted the transcript. He goes, any update on Brantley? And Dusty goes, yeah, he's still not ready, but he's close. And then they go, tomorrow not likely? And he goes, probably not. And they go, is he hitting? And they go, no, he's not hitting. And they go, has he had a setback? And they go, not really. We just we decided to just take it easy for a couple of days. I'm okay with all this. <laughs> just like be just be a little bit clear or, or lie or give me anything. That <laughs> all that does is bring more attention to it. So now in Houston, everyone's like, what the hell is going on? Just just have a plan. You could literally say, Oh, he's not feeling well for a day, so he's handling that. I mean, there's very he's different levels though. of what? He's not hitting. Right, he's not hitting. It could be, oh, he's not feeling well for a day. Where so is he's he? He's not hitting. Uh, my favorite line is, Dusty doesn't know where he is. You could say what anything. Mean, where is he? We you don't know where he anything. is. He's dealing with a personal issue. It just needs a day or two. You could say so many different things that would just be like, all right, cool. Like, reporters, especially in Houston, they're not slime balls. They're not like salacious story coming in the back pages. Like, just, just give me something that's not sketchy as hell. That's all you need. Am I wrong? I don't know where he is. No. Well, where is, where's Waldo? Well, he uh, plays for you. Bailey? Like the Mets didn't know sometimes what was going on with Cespedes. That's true. Well, uh, yeah. I've got a direct source on that one. Or Harvey. Or Harvey. Yeah, or Harvey. No, Harvey. but this. this <laughs> or Lasting's Millage. That's different. <laughs> but Cespedes would go on the IL, and they had uh, no control of what was going on after that. Uh, Bartolo one year when he was with the White Sox disappeared. They didn't, they didn't know, know where he was. was. Nope. They went on the he gone. They're like, where? They couldn't get all. They didn't know where he was. They couldn't find him. They couldn't get all. They called his <laughs> agent. They called him. And next year, he's on the Yankees throwing 99 again. How is that allowed? Like, you're being paid as an employee by the team, and it's the season. Don't you have to answer a phone call? You would think. But apparently, Bartolo said, fuck it. 
I answered. Is there something in your contract that says if we can't reach you in 48 no, hours, so. you're suspended? So you can just disappear off the planet. Well, if you're on, if you if he was on the DL, it wasn't like he was actively playing. But still, the team's job and your job is to get back on the field. So True. the communication lines have to be open to be able to do that. You would think. Sometimes <laughs> people just don't want to talk to people. Yeah, but that's is that your right? No, you're an employee. I only of the have team. one right, Scott. Party, party. Thank you, Thank you, <laughs> you guys are ridiculous today. <laughs> I used to put when I play, my phone was always on, and I felt like, like, oh, somebody's always going to get a hold of me. Like somebody always needs to be able to get a hold of me. Now I look back at it, and I'm like, that's kind of dumb. Like I should have like been able to turn my phone off at some point, but that was how I felt. So if I was on the IL and somebody couldn't get a hold of me, I. <sighs> I don't know. Or like the kid that just got called up. Was that Casey Schmidt? He was in watching Guardians, and he didn't get his first initial phone call saying he was getting called up. Like, that would that would keep me up at night as a player. For sure. Oh, like day games? Oh, I was scared to death I was going to oversleep. So I had a room. You had the wake-up call. You had your alarm set. You had another alarm set. You had your iPad set. You had your... TV said you had everything. People, hey, call me in the morning and make sure I'm awake. Oh, man. That, that, yeah, no. My, yeah, that was, that was early morning flights in AAA. Mm-hmm. The 4.30 bus to the airport in, in, in Fresno. I'd wake up I'd wake up at 12.30 after falling, back, falling asleep at 11.30 and be like, what? What time is it? And then you're just like, oh, my alarm's going off at 2.30 in the morning. And so I have two more hours of sleep. Nah. Tough life you guys had. Dude, I still sleep with a watch on because of that. But you don't have to always get up super it early. It doesn't – I still get up super early. But I – because when I was playing and there was a day game, I, like what Scott said, I'd wake up and i tip my – oh, okay, I got two more hours of sleep. Okay. And I wake up 20 minutes – oh, I still have an hour and a half. Oh. Constant, constantly afraid of being late. Constantly afraid of missing something. Constantly afraid of missing the bus, missing a game, especially a day game, not waking up on time. Hurry up and wait. Baseball. Become really good at wasting time as a baseball player. Tell them, Kratz. Yep, that is. That's why I love the COVID season. No wasted time. They they didn't let you hang out with each other. So it was like, oh, come in, get your work in. Oh, wait, like I can leave? I don't have to watch six other rounds of VP? (laughs) No, no, we want you to get out of here. We don't want you to get the (laughs) one-niner. All right, see you later first dude on the planet to say that's why i loved the covid season (laughs) (laughs) and i and i lived at oh there were so many great things about the covid season for me that was i lived at home i had to play for base i was on the team for a month and a half and i got almost a full year of service time for a guy who's just like scratching and clawing trying to get my service time every day was like 2.7 days of service time thank you very much (laughs) Easy. You, no fans you were to me. You were definitely going to the stats or you had some numbers that you were tracking where you're like 2.7 and add 2.7. Did you have like an Excel sheet with your days? I didn't have an Excel sheet, but I was looking on the MLB PA app all yep. the time. Like just looking it up. We were in, we were in San Diego for the, for the bubble tournament, whatever you want to call it, the ALCS. And it was just me and Cashman up in the, up in the suite eating where they had us eat 
our pregame food since it wasn't allowed to eat it in the locker room. And I, I looked, Cashman was there. He said, hey, hey, Cash, I said, now that I reached my six years of service, is there any chance that I'm going to get a qualifying offer? <laughs> and he's like, we'll, we'll put it on the table. I was like, all right, you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have some like funny line at you like A.J. Preller did to Joe Musgrove the other day where he was like, good thing you pitched in Mexico after you signed that contract extension. No, I think I caught him off guard because he probably didn't think I had enough service either. <laughs> I also I don't know if you were getting that qualifying offer, but uh, I wouldn't have turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and one more on that's what he said. So and this was weird and we might need the foul territory fam to help us out with more context here. But apparently after the game, Jeff McNeil spoke to reporters about fans that were heckling him, like going way too far. They, they threw baseballs at him and he said that should never happen at a major league game and there was a follow-up tweet from a fan who said he was there or she this was so bizarre in person they kept heckling him loudly even when he was at bat you could see steam coming off jeff isn't that even as he tried ignoring it not sure where the hell security was but even the reds fans in my section were pissed off by those fans in the outfield. Now, you can heckle during that bat, but you can't throw baseballs at a player on no. the field. Like that's a crime. Mm -hmm. you sh you're going to prison don't for that. Don't throw stuff. Throwing a baseball? Don't throw anything at a player. Are you kidding me? You're an idiot if you throw something at a player. And you should go to jail for a while. Okay. Well, you're still an idiot. Now you're just a jail, an idiot in jail. Yeah, you should, dude. You shouldn't. No, throwing stuff at players. No. Why? Why? If you're at a job, if I'm, a, if you're at your Day job, I can't go in there and start throwing hot dogs at you. No, number one, it's a crime. Number two, you should never be allowed back in a ballpark. It's it's one, one and done, one time in my mind. Was it a giveaway? Did, were they giving baseballs away? Why are you bringing a baseball to the to a game? Maybe they caught one, or they're trying to get and they're a throwing it. At I, I don't know. I mean, we're gonna have Jeff on, obviously, again, probably in a week or two or less, and we'll ask him about it. But Can you get <laughs> not. You have to be wasted to go to a Reds game. Is <laughs> <laughs> so that toasty? No. Oh. Nob. Nob? You're making fun of my friends in the chat? Why don't you join the chat? No. You won't. Nob? No. N-O-B. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I can't say that. By the way, uh, just for clarification, because we want to be straight up always, Freddie Peralta had some connection issues, so I think we're going to boot him until tomorrow or the next, or Monday or something, but... Still scheduled to have Zach Allen joining us soon. So just letting everyone know. While we have a moment, can we so run wait, our oh, locks? Oh, no, no, I just do have this quick comment on the throwing the baseballs. Cubs fans throw baseballs back every time. Mm -hmm. Should they be kicked out for life? Because that's a tradition. If they throw a Jonathan Luizaga 95-mile-an-hour dart at someone's head after that happens, yes. Okay. If they do a toss and everyone knows it's coming and it's different, no. Okay, so I was at Fenway, Yankees-Red Sox. Stanton hit a home run. Some fan from on top of the monster chucks it. It smokes Stanton as he's rousing second base. Bases. Should he have been kicked out for life? What if Stanton got – what if someone threw that and Stanton got hit well, in the we face? We can play what ifs. We, what, remember, if, if my aunt had – you know what? She'd be something else. But, you know, we had – Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we can play it's, what if. It's worth a debate. This. It's worth a debate. I mean, what if, you know, this guy had this? He'd be an ace. It's the risk you take. If you throw a baseball back on the field – and you hit Stanton in the face, and he can't play the same ever again, then you might have a problem. 
Yeah, we'll just let Stanton get a hold of you, and you're going to have a real problem. Yeah, you put Stanton and you in a room, you're going to have a bigger problem. So I would take the prison. Yeah, I would take the prison sentence over that. Please. Uh, Slap hands. Kratz hats, run it. I thought I I had sunglasses on there. (laughs) Indianapolis Indians, BP hat. Very classic, very big time place to play. Keep the field beautiful. They got a batter's eye. Only batter's eye in professional baseball that I know of that's trees that need to grow back in because it sucks to hit there in the first two innings. (laughs) Okay. Good stuff. I have two things. One, um, we were doing some research on the Chicago writers. So, Hadeb Sharma from The Athletic, Megan Montemura from the Chicago Tribune. Um, they're both great, by the way, writers. Two, two of the best. Um, they had Sandy, Nola, Rodon, Freed, Corbin Burns. There was a lot of good pitching in the National League last year. They didn't have Arias, either of them. Mm-mm. And they didn't have Gallon. So, there's a little bit of Midwest bias in that one. I guess not totally because they had Rodon, but I don't know. Whatever. Just giving you the facts. And then can we show Kratz getting famous and viral as usual? You're, you're past 2 million views just on one TikTok alone now. But also, as Awful Announcing put out an article today, Eric Kratz blasts WFAN's Evan Roberts for raised cheating accusation. You're such a troll saying this. Yes. Didn't we all say that? I love that Kratz. I Kratz feel like <laughs> we all kind of said the same thing. But Kratz, you know why, Kratz? Because you're on TV or on Philly radio. That's why. No, I think he deserves it. Kratz, they they watched our video of each of us giving our takes, and they like Kratz. He's the best. Great. Does that mean I'm the captain? Do I get a captaincy? Maybe. For me, yes. But you guys probably need what? Like three World Series titles and all these other accolades because, you know, you're strict about ace. You're strict about everything. Like, what, what do you need? I'll give you the C what i got in my grades in school too cease hey you made it here you made it in the big leagues you're all aces in my book big show tomorrow can't wait yeah you guys have a great time i'm out Frazier friday is gonna be insane ken rosenthal back on the show tomorrow too we miss ken ken's back this week yeah let's go thanks for sticking with us and zach gallon was awesome see you friday Foul Territory fans, listen up. Our friends at BetMGM are running an MLB Bet $10, get $100 instantly promo with the bonus code SPICYMLB. Here's how it works. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Place a pregame money line wager of at least $10 on any MLB team to win at standard odds price, and you will receive $100 in bonus bets instantly. If you sign up in Massachusetts or Ohio, you receive $200 in bonus bets. Use the bonus code SPICYMLB.